0: Thank you. So good to be at Silverwater. What a great morning. Absolutely amazing. Hey, before you take a seat, why don't you put your hands together and thank the worship team. What a great job. Love that you come early and prepare for us so that we might experience God. So thank you guys. Take a seat. Please take a seat, everybody. A huge hello from Pastor Phil and Chris. From Pastor Chris, a big hug. From Pastor Phil, a punch in the arm that's a little bit harder than it should be. But done in love, of course, done in love. Uh, Amanda sends her love as well. Uh, She is at Oxford Falls this morning. And so she did the chapel service this morning and is right now, probably even as I speak, doing the 10 a.m. We love that we get to see our family right across Sydney and that we uh, get to be with such an amazing crew that are living a life for a purpose bigger than themselves, yeah. like what is happening here. Yeah. Uh, I do have to say though, I was a little bit upset in the week. <clears throat> I was a little bit upset. Uh. So I saw some social media and I'd heard about this African lunch. <laughs> and, and and I saw it and I was immediately envious that I wasn't there. Yes. And then I saw Alex and Jessen in their tailored and fitting African outfits that, that looked amazing. So for our guests, this was just last Sunday and there was like 90 guests and, and it was amazing. Now, Amanda and I have been going into East Africa for uh, about 19 years. And if you add up all the trips, I've probably lived in East Africa for one and a half years. And I've never been given a fitting African garment. Pretty well every year I get given something. And maybe ha- you can help me work this out. Every, every time I'm given something, it's about five sizes too big. And so what I think it is, is because in Africa, I'm a bishop, right? right, right. I'm, is that right? Because I oversee churches. I just I say, just, just call me Pastor Pat. Yes, bishop, right? It just, and, and a bishop is a big man. And so what the clothes they give me, I think is that I don't want to offend him by giving him small clothes. So I'll give him big clothes because he's a big man. And so I always get these big clothes. But uh, Didn't Pastor Alex and Jesson look very cute in their matching garments? Amazing. Uh, but I, I've got to say, I'm just so excited by what is happening in this location. Uh, this morning, I was at the team huddle and it was vibey, yes. and it was big. Like I think, in just a few months, it'd have to be three times bigger. Oh Maybe there was like one million people oh at the mm, oh slight exaggeration, but seriously, when that many people are serving God and going, I want to oh. turn up and prepare yes. so that our house is ready for guests. Yes. That that just gets me really excited about what is happening. And I, I think that your pastors are doing an extraordinary job. Our Silverwater Location pastors are the best people on the planet and they they are leading an extraordinary team. And I think it would be very fitting if we just said thank you to Pastor Alex, Pastor Jessen for doing such a good job. Absolutely brilliant. Well, we are continuing on this morning on the Top of My World series. Have you enjoyed this? It's, it's I, I've just loved that it. it's looked at the heart and it's looked at the mind, uh, looked at the body and just looking at all of these areas that are a really big deal in our world. Uh, you know, just thinking about how our church really wants to see people grow and to thrive, just um, wanna uh, mention, that after the service today, we have got our next step pathway week three, which is all about discovering you. That's what it's called, discover you. Discover how God has wired you, the gifts He's given you, the passions He's put inside of you, all of this stuff He's put in you so that you can be the best you you can be knowing Him. And so even if you've done no other weeks before, you can turn up uh, this afternoon and whether you've been here five years, 10 years, 15, or just brand new to church life, uh, it is a really good way for you to thrive and to do well in life. So just thought I'd mention that. But on this whole area of covering things that are really important so that we're on top of our world, today we are looking at money matters. I love that we get to do this. As soon as I saw this topic and I saw I had been asked by Silverwater to come and bring it, I just went, Yes, I love doing that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's a little bit difficult to go over the top on how important money is. Right. Like if it's not together, we're probably not doing that well in life. Right. If it's going well, we can be experiencing satisfaction. We can be experiencing a, a sense of utilising the finances God has given us for purpose, Uh, It can be that sense of, for freedom, Christ has set us free. We can feel free in our finances. It can alternatively be a sense of great disappointment, of angst, of a low ceiling, of not being free, but being a, a captive to our finances. When it's going well, that's a blessing. When it's not, it can, just, it can even be like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. If I'd known you were going to speak about it this morning, Pat, I might not have turned up because it just causes a whole bunch of regret and pain. Right. It can be one of the biggest sources of conflict in a marriage. Right. And so we want to look at this today and let the Bible speak into it. How good is it when there's a big deal in our world that the Bible says a lot about it? And with finances, the Bible does say a lot. Uh, I've got a quote for you from an author and pastor, a guy called Greg Laurie. He says that the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, more than 2,000 verses on money. In fact, 15% of everything Jesus ever taught was on the topic of money and possessions, more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. So I think it's just smart of us as disciples if God thought that it's important enough to really deal with it in his word, to go there and see what the word of God says about finances. Um, I'm gonna be giving you some really practical things towards the end of today, so where you can find apps and websites and you can avail of help. And and, and so that this isn't just about hearing something, but it's about taking action to be able to grow in the way we handle finances. Gotta tell you, one of the best things Amanda and I ever did was when we were brand new married couple, before we had kids, we spent all day, one Saturday, at a seminar called My Money Matters by Malcolm McGregor. And I don't even know if Malcolm's still on the planet. This was a while ago that this happened. But all day, we just looked at what the Bible said about handling money. And it set us up. I reckon if you would account our return on that investment from the amount of hours we were in that seminar, it was like tens of thousands of dollars an hour return. Because we got wisdom on how to handle finances. So today we're going to look at big picture of what the Bible says about it, then get down to some practical stuff, and then I'm going to give you some resources so that you can go on this journey. Whether you're just sort of stepping out on a brand new relationship and getting this together, or whether you've been around for a while, maybe have a few regrets, but want to have another go, then we can have a look at this together and see how God the Redeemer can help us with our finances. Let's pray. Father, we commit this time this morning into your hands and we ask Holy Spirit that you would bring this Word in the way that only you can with something for everybody here. That your Word would be made alive, that it would be living and active and it would touch every heart. We ask it In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So some of the bottom line principles before we get onto the practicals. Uh, Indeed, you might not even think it's important to look at the practicals unless we've got some of these principles uh, there in the first place. First point, it's all His anyway. It's all His anyway. This is what it says, just a few verses about God owning everything. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Haggai 2.8, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. He's he's laying claim to the lot. Colossians 1.16, All things have been created through Him and for Him. Now, I reckon we could all sort of give mental assent to this. You know, it's all the Lord's. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, God owns everything. Yeah, too right, He does. You know, He created it all and it all belongs to Him. Yep. But when we really, really know this, it changes everything. With the way we handle finances, it means that, when we are looking at how we utilize money, it would be important to us, if it's his, that we use it in a way that honors him and is according to his purposes. If it's all his, we are also released, and this is an amazing thing, we are released from all of the negatives of owning money. Because if you own it, you worry about it. If you own it, you can get on that relentless treadmill of needing just a little bit more. In fact, what tends to happen is if you own it, the tables get turned and it owns you. And you start serving money rather than it being a great servant for godly purposes. Now, when we understand this, it radically changes the way we view it. John Wesley, the great uh, starter of the Methodist movement and revivalist back in the 1700s. I love the way he says things. I'm going to quote him a couple of times today. He says, it's not how much of my money I will give to God. It's how much of God's money I will keep for myself. <laughs> Ooh. Thank you, John. Stewardship is a bottom line foundation to us handling finance as well. So that's the first one. The second one, so first one is, it's all His anyway. Second point is that it's for His purpose. It's for His purpose. So what's the big picture of what is happening in the world today? Well, as I read my Bible, and I've been reading it for a few decades now, it tells the most magnificent story that there is. It tells a story of God who created people to be in relationship with Him and to be so awesome that they are like Him. So He created people that He might walk with us and talk with us and and that we could walk with Him and love being in relationship with Him. But then tragedy struck and people were caught up in the rebellion of Satan against God and this thing called sin, where we want to do things our own way, cut us off from God. And so this story of the Bible then talks about how God prepared for a Messiah, a Redeemer, someone who could come in and take that sin out of the way so that we could come back into relationship. And the Bible talks about kings and judges and prophets that are all pointing to this person who would do this. And then 2000 years ago, he came and his name is Jesus. And He paid the price with His own life so that we might know God again. And then He went to be with the Father in heaven and He passed on the baton to another crew who are bringing that redemption, that salvation to the world. Do you know who that crew might be for the last 2000 years? They're called the church. The church has taken the good news of the gospel from a small gathering in Jerusalem to being not far under 1 billion people on the planet today into different people groups and different nations. And it is going forward there. It's on the radio waves, it's on television. It's with new churches starting in different communities and bringing the light and the life of Jesus Christ. And that bringing of the gospel, can you imagine the resources that it needs? It's a lot. But God had a plan from the very beginning with how he would resource his rescue plan. Simply this, that his people would prosper and have more than enough. Is that the prosperity gospel? Well, if it's defined as having more than enough for yourself so that you can give generously to others, absolutely it is. Absolutely. So let's have a look at this plan from the very beginning. Genesis 12, two to three. God speaking to Abraham said this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people's, Note that that is a plural of a plural. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God is saying to Abraham and his physical descendants, the nation of Israel, but also let me give you a little bit of New Testament inside knowledge. God considers those who have got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to have been grafted into this promise. Really? Yep, write down Galatians chapter three in your notes that you're taking right now and check it out when you go home. Galatians chapter three. When we have asked Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour, we've been grafted into the promise. What basically were those three verses saying in Genesis chapter 12? They're saying this, I am going to bless you. I'm gonna bless you. And you will be a blessing to every people group on earth. And when you know me, I'm going to bless you so you've got more than enough and can be a blessing. Whoa. You might even say that if we're really wanting to live in the plan of God for our life, that we would do all we can to prosper on purpose so that we are a part of the answer to others. Now, John Wesley, I, I told you I might use a few of his quotes. This is how he puts it. Having first gained all you can, and secondly, saved all you can, then give all you can. Wow. In 2 Corinthians, it puts it this way. 2 Corinthians 9 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in All things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Oh, that's New Testament. That in all things at all times, having all you need. Just enough for my need? Oh no. Sounds very pious when people say that. I don't want more than enough, just enough for my need. Whose need? Well, my need. Mine, why wouldn't we prosper on purpose if we can then be an answer to the needs of others? That's what the New Testament is saying. So how do we enter into this realm of understanding God has given us a purpose that we might understand His Word, that we might step purposefully into prospering on purpose and be a part of His answer to the world. How do we step into that? Let's have a look at that right now. Step one, entering in through tithing and giving. Let's look at tithing to start. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now that's an agricultural way of saying that you've got more than enough. First fruits, well, it's referring to the first 10% of what God gives us. Now sometimes people go, okay, but isn't that tithing? Isn't that, and tithe just means a 10th. Isn't that like Old Testament? Isn't it like a part of the law, which since Jesus, we don't need to obey the law because we are made right by believing that Jesus died for me. And my answer to that is um, yes and no. The first person to ever tithe was Abraham, a man of faith, and he did it 430 years before the law. Right. Other patriarchs also tithed. Why? Because there was a law, there was no law. Why did they do it? They're just being generous towards God. They're honouring Him with the first fruits of their wealth. Yeah. Then when the law came, it became a part of the law. So Malachi kind of talks about it being under the law. If you don't give your tithe, you're under the curse of the law, because it was under the law. But then when Jesus came, He fulfilled the law. He completed the law. But this principle of faith remains not as a part of the law, but as a principle of faith. I'm going to honour you, God. I recognise it's all yours. It's all yours. And what you've put in my hands, I honour you with the first 10%. Honour you. So Amanda and I have been tithing. Was, we've been married this year for 33 years. And we started tithing when we were engaged to each other. We were at St. Alban's Anglican Church at French's Forest. And the Reverend Len Straw was teaching on tithing. And we heard this message and we just thought, wow, this sounds imm-. Like we'd, we'd never heard it before. We didn't, we, I grew up in a sort of traditional church where you just made a bit of a tinkle in the plate as it went past, you know, just a tip God. And, uh, and I hadn't under, heard about this sort of level of generosity towards God and, and this honouring of God. And the Reverend Len spoke about it and Amanda and I just, well, let's make this a foundation for our marriage. So we'd been doing this for like 34 years. Now, we've had times Of plenty, and we've had tough times. Uh, I remember when we came back from the Philippines after we were church planting there in the early 90s, and I didn't have a job to come back to. I had sold a business, and the non-compete clause was still in place for the business. So I was a little bit between a rock and a hard place for generating income. We're just doing bits here and bits there, and Amanda Amanda was baking uh, pecan pies, and selling pecan pies. And yet, we just found that there was groceries dropped at the doorstep. There was money in an envelope, and God just looked after us. We found that when we honoured Him, He looked after us. That's been our story. Tough times, good times, God has blessed us. You know what's amazing is When He blesses you, you find that not only do you have the capacity to tithe, but the capacity to give. Now, for those of you writing notes, let me give you another couple of chapters. Can't help this. I used to be the college principal. I always give people homework. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Write those in your notes. Why? Because they are all about giving. An amazing passage on giving. What's happening is that the church in Jerusalem, there's famine in the land, they're doing it tough. And so the churches that are doing okay, like the Corinthian church, they're taking up a big sacrificial offering. They're giving generously to help another church. And so this, these passages are all about that. And let me just tell you one of the verses from the middle of these two chapters. 2 Corinthians 9.11. You will be made rich in every way, every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, that is a really cool thing. Because Amanda and I have been honoring God with the first fruits of our wealth, we have found ourselves for many years having more than just enough. So when there's opportunity to be generous, guess what we do? We get generous. We've, over the years, whenever there was an offering in church, we sort of had like the minimum we would put in. Well, as time's gone on, we've been able to increase our minimum. I wonder if there's any vision builders here today. I do if there's any vision builders. Vision builders is something that we do as a church where above and beyond our tithes, we give generously to impact the world around us. Well, let me tell you something that vision builders have done right this year. Uh, right now in East Africa, Edwin, Pastor Edwin, is overseeing our entrepreneur training. Over the last four years, our entrepreneur training let me see if I can, has trained 406 entrepreneurs. Now, in in East Africa, if you wanna help people prosper, you don't normally just show them how to do a job application because for every 500 university graduates, there'll be one job. So what you do is you help people to be small business people. And so we've done a course, modules. We get mentors alongside them. If they go through the whole lot and get the mentors, then they get seed capital for their business. So we have trained 406 entrepreneurs. Now, this is where it gets exciting. 2,120 dependents have been blessed by that. That's kids who now have a school uniform they're proud of, who have books for day one, who are not turned away because they can't pay fees. You know that verse in Corinthians, it says, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There's there's 400 plus families going, thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. Thank you for the generosity of others that has enabled us to do this. So, so this is how we enter in. We enter in through tithing and giving, and we start to experience what it is like to be a part of God's answer to this world with finances. Now, Often when the church talks about money, this is where you stop. But if it's okay, I'm gonna go a little bit further today. Because what about the rest of that money that's in our hands? Is it like, okay, the tithing and giving, that's it and the rest of it, I just do whatever with. What if we were to use God's wisdom for the rest? That whole thing of stewardship, I think compels us to. If it really is His, How are we going to use it to His glory? So let's look now at beyond tithing and giving to stewardship of all of the finances He's given us. Last year, we had a pastor from New Zealand, Paul De Jong. And Paul De Jong came and spoke at our church. I think we might have even live streamed him to all locations. And Paul DeJong has written a book called God, Money and Me. Uh, It has now become a course and it is a course that Connect leaders can access for free for their Connect group. Absolutely wonderful. And so he looks at over time helping people to go on a journey where they are tithing 10% of their income towards God. Giving, now he doesn't start there, but he helps people to little by little over time get towards 10% of giving towards God. But often he says something like, start at 1% right. then grow. Right. Then the third area he looks at is saving and investing. Mm. And he encourages people to go towards 10% saving and investing. Why would you do that? Oh, because that's when you stop working for money and money starts working for you. I love it when I go to sleep and my money's working, when I wake up and my money's working, when I brush my teeth and my money's working, when I play a game and my money's working. So we look to save and invest so we've got money working for us. And then there's 70% left to spend. Now someone here this morning might be going, Pat, I'm really struggling to put stuff on the table. This is like, it's little by little. That's how you get there. You don't just change it all tomorrow. It's little by little, and there's lots of great resources that will help us get there. So what sort of things might we do to go in this direction? Okay, I'm gonna mention a word right now. Don't turn off if you've had a bad experience of it in the past. Budgeting. Budgeting? No, that means that I just don't have money to do the things I wanna do. Budgeting, also probably just called managing cash flow, is a discipline that brings freedom. Budgeting is simply this you tell your money where to go rather than trying to work out where it went. Yeah, good. <laughs> Has anyone else done that? Good. You get paid fortnightly, and after one week, you go, Where the heck did it go? And I've got to get through another week. Good. But when we tell it where to go and tell it when to go, You know what, even if your income hasn't changed, you just feel richer because you're taking control of the finances that are in your hands. Budgeting is thinking ahead about payments and saving ahead of time, rather than being taken by surprise and having to go into debt. That's a downhill spiral, that one. I didn't think about it, oh no, that insurance bill, the only way I can pay it is by taking out a loan. Oh no, eventually that one will get you in the neck. it's right. oh, not good. But when we think ahead, we prepare. I know you're coming, you little sucker. Yeah. I know, I know. And then you get one of those special little letters that have got a window in them. Yeah, yeah. You know, who, who gets excited by a letter with a window in it? Nah, nah. But anyway, there it is. I know you're coming and I'm ready. And then you can just sort it out. So to make a budget... How do you go about doing that? You total your income from different sources. From whatever source. Okay, here's a little bit I'm going to give you for free this morning. Husbands and wives don't have his money, her money. Have our money. Because when God made the two one, it was that we would not only be married and one physically, but we would live together for a purpose to serve Him. Not for two different visions. Two visions is division, but for one vision together. And and when our finances are together, then it just eliminates so much conflict. If there's a difficulty where you go, we've kept them separate because we've just got, you know, really different values. Well, can I say, get some marriage counselling because having two different budgets won't fix it. It won't fix it. Get marriage help so that you can work on your values together. So there's alignment. So there's one mission and then you can send your money in one direction. I mean, it's, it's totally unfair to think, okay, we've got separate money and then we're gonna have a baby and you lose your money, but I've got mine. No, it's ours together to utilize for Him. So all income, put it together. Then we look at our expenses and they include the regular ones, weekly, fortnightly, monthly, but also all those sneaky, irregular ones. Insurance, electricity, the tax bill, whatever it might be, they're all there. Nothing's going to sneak up on you. Then... You look at the two and if your income is better than your expenses, you dance yeah. and you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and you put some money across into saving and you invest. Boom. Yeah. But for most of us, the first time we do this is that our expenses are bigger than our income. And so we need to look at ways to increase our income. Maybe it's doing a little bit of income generating activity on the side, asking for a raise, looking at a way of getting a job that's got increased income. Maybe it's looking at our expenses and some things that we don't need to do anymore. We just put that aside so that we're able to get more than enough and start saving and giving. Of course, we look at those things I mentioned to begin with, tithing and giving, because we'll probably find that things slip through our fingers if we're not honouring God with that first fruits of our wealth. Thank you. Thank you. And then to make a budget, we're disciplined. If we're saving for the tax bill, even though you found that flyer in the letterbox and it says the more you spend, the more you save, now's the time to do it. Buy one of these, you need a gizmo because then you'll feel better about yourself. You just go, ah. It's already allocated. I'm not going to spend it. it That felt good. I'm in control. I'm not serving money. Money serving me. The Bible talks about staying out of bad debt. Bad debt is when you go into debt for the things you consume. Bad debt is debt on something that depreciates in value. Good debt can be debt on something that appreciates in value. Bible says, stay out of bad debt. Bible talks about not going after get rich quick schemes. There's so much wisdom. So much wisdom. So some of these things we're just going to put up on the screen. Why not take a photo of these because these are the sort of resources that will help you. There's some great websites about budgeting about being smart, about debt. If there's somebody here today and everything I've said, you've just heard what I've been saying and you're going, I feel like I've got a ball and chain around my leg because of debt. Get advice. Debt need not be your future. I'm telling you. And i found that if you take a step of faith with these things, then God says, okay, you've given me something to work with. When we put our head in the sand, it only gets worse. So some of the, and these are apps, budgeting, investment. You might be going, Pat, investing sounds cool. I wouldn't have a clue. Get some some input on it. Uh, And I think we've got another slide. Is that right? This is awesome. This is like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm juggling my credit card, my debt. My, ah, how do I do that thing? Get some advice. They'll help you. They'll help you consolidate it. Don't pay debt to the guys that are charging you 21%. Pay debt to the guys that are charging you a whole lot less. Consolidate. Get through it. Smash it out. And I think that's all of the slides. There's no more slides, is there? All right. It would seem that we're done with this. Can I just pray? And if you're wanting to take a step because of this, just whilst you're in your seat, put your palms heavenward to God because you're saying, God, I'm going to do something with what I've heard this morning. Just lift your palms. Father, we come before You. We're not just going to be hearers of the Word of God today. We're going to be doers. And Father, in this area of finance, we want to conform to what Your Word says, that we recognise it's all Yours and we get to steward it for Your purposes. Help us, Lord God, to grow in knowledge, understanding and to be really good at this so that we can fund the work of the Gospel around the world. In Jesus' Name, Amen. 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 Hey, man, yeah, let's really thank Pastor Pat.